Abolition. Abolition. As we've watched these street protests night after night and the continued uprising against systemic racism and police brutality, it's hard not to keep thinking about something that I've seen on a bunch of protest signs in many different cities. Imagine all the many terrible things that have happened that just weren't caught on camera. Particularly when we see disturbing stories like what just happened in Wilmington, North Carolina, which we only know about basically through sheer fluke because a sergeant conducting an audit stumbled onto a video that had been accidentally recorded by a Wilmington police officer. And the police department, to its credit, told the public what they found. In the video, three longtime veteran Wilmington officers who've been on the job since the late 1990s, think about that, decades on the force, are heard saying some truly vile and racist things, with one of them flat out calling for a race war. This is a police officer who's been in there for decades. Quote, we're just going to go out and start slaughtering them effing N-words. I can't wait. God, I can't wait. The officer adding that a civil war is needed to, quote, and I quote him here, wipe them off the effing map. That'll put them back about four or five generations. All three officers have now been fired for misconduct. The city's new police chief, Donnie Williams, making the announcement yesterday. When I first learned of these conversations, I was shocked, saddened, and disgusted. There is no place for this behavior in our agency or our city, and it will not be tolerated. It was his first day on the job, one of his first actions as a head of police in that town. Now, there are so many ways this is disturbing, they're, they're basically uncountable, but the most striking to me is the resonance and meaning of these violent racist words in this particular place, Wilmington, North Carolina. The city that is in many ways a perfect representation of the trajectory of racial injustice in America. Because back in the late 1800s, after the Civil War and in Reconstruction, Wilmington was a thriving, fairly well-integrated town racially. That was thanks to the post-Civil War project of Reconstruction, which used the federal government to actively seek to integrate freemen and women as full citizens, to give them rights and more. And then came what was arguably the only pure coup d'etat in U.S. history, when a white supremacist mob violently wrenched power, overthrowing the city government, killing at least 60 African Americans, slaughtering them, wrenching power back with terrorist, white supremacist, fascist violence to regain white supremacy, a key moment in the destruction of this nation's project of racial equality and reconstruction. And the system those racists built, that is a system upon which we now stand. To the point where in the year 2020, Wilmington police officers are fantasizing about a race war where they could shoot black people that would put black Americans back about four or five generations, back to what happened in that same city. And in the decades following the 1898 coup, the racist who seized power, well, they took a kind of victory lap. They erected statues. Confederate statues to celebrate their victory, to send the message to the people they had killed and slaughtered and beaten out of power that they were in control. Were in control. Were in control. Hey, look, I pray you catch a way that doesn't subside. This for the nappy heads in heaven, with the nappy head Christ by their side. I pray you catch a way that doesn't subside. This for the nappy heads in heaven. With an happy head, Christ by their side. Yeah. May your streets be paved with gold. Yeah. 
You just heard a clip from All In with Chris Hayes on MSNBC about Wilmington, North Carolina police officers who were caught saying, I can't wait for a race war, followed by Tobey and Wigway's Make It Home. Peace and welcome to Abolition Today, a weekly syndicated online radio program with specific focus on modern slavery as it is practiced through the 13th Amendment of the U.S. Constitution and by for-profit prisons worldwide. We air live every Sunday, 7 p.m. Eastern Standard, 6 Central, and 4 Pacific. Live streams and archive podcasts are available at abolitiontoday.org. My name is Max Paltis. I'm joined by my co-host, Yusuf Hassan. Peace, Yusuf. Hey, peace, Max. Peace and blessings upon you and upon our entire listening audience online and around the world. I mean... You know, last week we cooked up some non-unanimous jury verdict, Jim Crow, and fed it to the dogs. We also heard part two of a message to the people from inside Angola Prison Plantation. This week, we have a pre-recorded discussion with our sponsors and partners from Jailhouse Lawyers Speak. Let's call it a quarterly job review and an information sharing session. For those who may not know, this program and its hosts were specifically requested by created by, named by, and funded by American prison inmate activists along with organizers on the outside working with those behind enemy lines. But before we get into all of that, as is our habit, let's check in with Brother Yusuf and see what he thought of the track and what's been going on with his week. You know, uh, I'm glad you played that uh, that Toby Wigway. Uh, that, you know, the first time I heard that song, man, it just, it, I, I sat motionless for a minute because, you know, it's, it's, it's a lot of deep stuff that he's saying within the song. And then just to say, you know, please don't make me no hashtag or slogan, you know, and that's, that's, that's so deep, you know, talking about, look, I just want my hope, my hood to make it home. I want the whole hood to make it home. You know, it's, yeah, it, it, it definitely will wear on you when you recognize what he's saying. The brother's out of Houston, so many people may not, rec- you know, uh, catch some of the lyrics. But if you get a chance, you look it up and read what he's saying. Yeah, it's it's very deep, yeah, very called, moving song. He said, what do they Sorry? call him, a transcendental transcendental hip-hop artist, I think Yeah, man, lead, leading a renaissance. Yeah, leading the Renaissance. Uh, and I thought that right behind what we know is a recent event uh, where these police were actually saying this, police in uniform who've been working for decades, talking about how they can't wait to go out and start murdering us because they know there's a plan in action to do that. And, it's, right. you know, it's coming right behind that. Yeah. And and in the background, of course, you know I had NWA's FTP up in there as the uh, soundtrack behind Chris Hayes, <laughs> straight out of the underground, man. Yeah, <laughs> so uh, that song that song will never get old. Yep, yep. Well, you know what we do from beginning to end, we keep it hot, we keep it real, um, we talk about facts, and uh, we give an opportunity to the unheard to be heard here. Uh, whether it's in the music or those who are speaking on issues. Uh, we are used to hearing a lot of certain people talk about things, and it's time for a change. Some new voices are out there, voices that are on the front lines, behind right. the enemy lines, uh, risking their right. lives 
every single day. Uh, when I was here in South Carolina, we did the second national prison slave labor work strike. Uh, I found out that several of those brothers who were supporting the prison strike from the inside had managed to get hold of a contraband phone, and they would post shares uh, about the events. And they ended up getting, with no trial, no jury, no nothing, one got 44 years added to his prison sentence, another got 30-something years, another got 20-some-odd years. The one that got 40-something years also had 70-some years of no commissary, like saying, you know, you might be back after 44 years, you still ain't going to have no commissary. It's amazing. For Facebook posts, man, that's what they're risking. And we already know the people like uh, Kinetic Justice and Swift Justice, uh, and the brothers from the Free Alabama Movement, uh, from the uh, decarcerate Louisiana, uh, all over the country, they're risking everything just to communicate right. outside. How many times have we heard these brothers begging you to help? They're in a pandemic in a place where they can barely turn their head and not bump into somebody, let alone right. try to have some sort of separation. Right. In, in fact, that you, you just reminded me of something that we're going to uh, have posted up on the page because it was a memo that went around in a particular South Carolina, not South Carolina. Uh, once I find the photo, I can recall which state it was, but the photo was actually being or the, the memo was being passed around and saying how they're supposed to social distance and the, the mandate from the prison was sleep on opposite ends of your bunks, basically. Wow. You sleep with your head this way, this one sleep with his head that way. And that was their solution for social distancing within the prison. We're paying a high price, man. I mean, if you think black people are getting it on the outside, <laughs> imagine what yeah. it's like behind bars where there's no cameras and you got to risk your life and your freedom to try to tell somebody what's going on like a damn gulag right up here in the United States of America where people are literally property of the state and worked uh, under threat of torture and forced to work for free or pennies on the dollar. It's just it's crazy, man. And the brutality we yeah. see everywhere is just uh, it's growing by leaps and bounds. Uh, people are getting fed up with it, man. Uh, as a matter of fact, Today, something happened, which coincidentally <laughs> happened after the, the discussion we did a couple of days ago with Crystal and JL, JL's lawyer speak, as you'll hear later, was about uh, all options being on the table. And we saw a video of several hundred brothers and sisters walking with their arms up to Stone Mountain uh, to handle business. <laughs> Tell right. us about that one, you see. Yeah, you know... Uh... For those who are unaware, you know, when the KKK reinstituted itself, it was done at the top of Stone Mountain. So we have a group that's called NFAC, and it's, in, you know, that stands for Not Fucking Around Coalition. You know, that's their name. And the brothers, you know, actually took up arms. They did their announcement. Look, anyone who, you know, can legally carry, join the formation. And they actually marched in formation through Stone Mountain into the park. You know, it looks to be about, I don't know, maybe about 200, maybe 250. You know, and the first thing that came to mind was the last poets when the revolution come. 
You know, when the revolution that song came. started playing through my mind immediately. And, yeah, they, they marched through the park, and, you know, we have a couple of video clips that we'll put up where you can see, you know, what the brothers are saying. They say, look, we're not tolerating this anymore. We're not tolerating the killing of black people by whites or other blacks. You know, they made it clear that it's not just, you know, because people love the dog whistle of the black-on-black crime. You know, that's fallacy, you know, so... They made sure that they addressed that in the in in their uh, talk as well. So, yeah, it was it was definitely great seeing that, and that's what it's coming to, Max. I mean, you can Man. only yeah, you can you can only beg for things for so long, because most people just want to be left alone. You know, I want to have a barbecue in the park. I don't need. Barbecue Betty calling the police on me for barbecuing. I don't need the police called on me because of whatever normal activity a person is being is doing. And because of you have one person thinking, oh, this person shouldn't be doing it. Let me call the police on them. Where they what they know what they're doing when they call the police on the person. Just for something as simple as telling a person to put their dog on a leash. You know, could end up being a death sentence for a person. So they know what they're doing when they when they make these calls. Yeah, they weaponize the police in that way, and the police are more than uh, off, more often than not very happy to be that weapon. Um, and they, although they're the ones who have sworn an oath to protect our rights, they do not protect our rights. They are the very ones who are violating them in our faces. So, a brother, uh, today people put out a video where these cops are doing a alleged wellness check, and he's home alone with him and his child, six-year-old son. They can clearly see nobody else is there. The boy's okay. He said it was fine. You can't come in my house. The cops start trying to uh, put their foot in the door so he couldn't close the door, insisting on coming out, uh, coming in, and he's trying to defend his uh, rights. He never once mentioned the Fourth Amendment, which is the right that was protecting him at that time, the Fourth Amendment, which is the right that protects you from reasonable uh, searches Searches and seizures. And -hmm. these policemen were violating that Fourth Amendment on purpose. They probably don't know what the hell the Fourth Amendment even says. Because to the best of my knowledge, nobody is is testing them on their constitutional knowledge, despite the fact that they got to swear an oath to defend us. It's crazy, dude. It's crazy. We could get into this so deep. uh, But, you know, time is always limited for us, man. We got a, a, a hell of a schedule set up ahead. Uh, music, uh, the discussion with our sponsors and partners, uh, a hell of a lot of insight and updates coming up, uh, um, on, as well as the growth of the abolitionist movement nationally and internationally. You know, I kind of feel like DMX used to, like you, you know, you've been plugging that song for fifteen, twenty years, and then suddenly it's an overnight success. <laughs> you know, right. But uh, right. people are talking in every every arena about this. It, it's becoming the hot button, the hot topic, and it should be. The only one's really not addressing it right now, and they look stupid because of it, is the media. Mainstream media right. is not covering this. But we'll go deeper into that later. First, I think people should hear uh, what our family at Jailhouse Lawyers Speak had to say, and we'll, we'll go over some topics. You, Seth, you and I can listen, and we'll comment after uh, the discussion, all right? Let's get into it. Let's get into it. You're listening to Abolition today. We'll be right back after this. Abolition. Abolition. 
today. I'm here. I'm here. And it okay. sounds like the recording has started. That's what it just told right. me, and that's what my controls show. So awesome. All right. Um, so we're here. Uh, Max Parthas, Brother SJ on the line, Crystal Roundtree, and uh, we're just having a conversation, uh, I guess, to update uh, on the circumstances. I don't know if we should even call this an interview or anything like that because we're family. You know what I mean? Right on. <laughs> yeah, so we just, just converse like family members do, you know? Uh-huh. Uh, we're just right. working on some projects and stuff like that. And uh, as we just discussed a little earlier, uh, you know, the radio program that you asked uh, me and yourself to participate in, uh, we've been doing the best we can. And so far, it's been very successful. And we've been trying to put together the arguments in a way that we think would represent what the brothers and sisters behind enemy lines might want us to do, you know? Right. And uh, I think Krista's heard a couple of them. She's been uh, told me that she was very satisfied and that you guys were happy as well. Absolutely. Absolutely. She was definitely uh, relaying back and forth um, to me and a few other comrades back up through here behind the walls. Um, what was going on and it's relating to how some of the programs was going. And, and it wasn't just her. We also had um, another comrade to listen in also was telling us um, they was very excited about the program that was ongoing. You know, the only little disappointment was that this whole coronavirus struck and so we wasn't able to uh, necessarily uh, participate in the way that we would have liked to from behind these walls back here. But uh, but that's why that's why you are who you are and that's why we have so much faith in you because we knew you would carry it regardless, you know, no matter what the circumstances was, because this is your passion, this is your heart, and this is why you are who you are and where you're at, you know. So, hey, we're, we're thrilled about the program all together. Well, you know, uh, the way I'm looking at it is the coronavirus may be here and you may not be able to participate at this point, but let's just look at it as we're setting up a bigger stage. So when you do come in, 
you have all the lights and, and sound effects that you could possibly have. Right on, right on, right on, right on. You know, I was going to ask you, it's a, uh, a senator. I'm not sure exactly what county he's out of yet, but I think his name is Joe Markle or something like that. I think it's Markley or Markley. Um, just came out very recently with uh, a statement on Twitter saying that he was going to introduce a bill uh, in reference to uh, repealing the third, you know, repealing the thirteenth, you know, as it related to slavery, the ab- abolition of slavery. Have you heard anything about that specifically? Um, no, I can't say that I've heard anything about that, and I definitely am going to look it up. Um, there has been that, there's been a, a flood of things happening in regards to legalized slavery as of late, and uh, I think a lot of it can be stemmed to the conversations and the discussions and efforts that uh, we have all collectively been doing now for years, including prison mm-hmm. labor strikes, the radio programs, you name it, whatever we was organizing. So I'm going to look that up. But we just had a, a, the first meeting of national abolitionists in the history since, uh, well, the way we're setting it up as a national abolitionist organization since uh, the mm-hmm. 1800s. That was awesome, man. We had like 12 states represented in a Zoom meeting. And then yesterday okay. we had our second meeting. Also, as I said, we introduced a presidential candidate, and then we found out as well that in Arizona they've lost a class action lawsuit against the private for-profit prisons for using legalized slavery, saying mm-hmm. that by filling their prison beds, they were increasing their stocks on purpose for shareholders in the companies. Another groundbreaking effort too. So yeah, man, this is our time right now, brother. It's our right. time. Right, 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 right. Absolutely, absolutely. And um, if I may add, one of those, um, one of the attorneys, uh, I'm not sure what her name is, Diane. I want to say I'm not really sure, but uh, we had received some information. I know as soon as uh, I had was informed of it, because I think Krista heard it through you all. And then she was telling me about it. And then I was speaking to, you know, we started something that was called a law project, uh, international law project, JLS International Law Project. We have a few lawyers um, supposed to be working around regarding trying to get this particular issue to the international community. Um, and also, you know, trying to raise a host of other issues. But it was brought up that one of those lawyers that worked on that case that you're mentioning now in Arizona is actually on our team. I haven't had an opportunity to speak to them yet, but they're actually on the team. And um, anytime when I can try to connect the bridge that is, uh, get you to be able to correspond with them, I will the next time I get in touch with them. But uh, definitely, I just found that out. Now, see, this is six degrees of separation, man, the ripple effects of what a few people can do. You don't need everybody. You just need critical right. mass. And critical mass like 5% of the country. And I think we're at that point right now where this is happening, whether we continue it or not, people have taken up the torch about ending slavery and freeing our people, which is one of the biggest conversations we had yesterday. I made it very clear to them that my goal is not to repeal the 13th Amendment. That's not my final goal. My final goal is to see freedom for my people, to see them come out of these cages, and to prevent them from going back in under the same circumstances. That's my goal. If we have to get some brothers together with some shotguns and go and take these prisons over and turn them into forts, we'll do that too. We've got to have a plan B. But that's the bottom line. Mm. You know, so many suffering right now. And the comrades that you and I have been working with and Christians have been working with have been suffering just for organizing. 
uh, from behind enemy lines, you know, trying to bring together prison work strikes. Look at Brother Kinetic and Swift Justice and Melvin Ray. Man, come on. And you, you know. As a matter right. of fact, what has been going on with you? You've been on lockdown for a minute now. You want to tell us how life has been? Yeah, well, well at this particular moment, um, they've definitely had, I always say, the yoke around my neck, and they've been squeezing it tighter and tighter, uh, particularly as it relates to communications. Um, right now, just to kind of generally speaking, particularly in the Carolina area, you know, uh, we just had the coronavirus. It's like, and the numbers are steady increasing in the state at the moment. Um, and in the process of that, you know, if it's increasing on the outside, then obviously we have um, the police that are going to bring it in here to us. So this is kind of giving the system a lot of justification leeway to kind of lock us down, to limit our communication, to restrict our uh, visitation. And some of these things we understand is necessary at this particular moment. Um, I would say this here, one of the things uh, that I've noticed is that we have, the conditions have gotten a lot more tighter uh, since this coronavirus uh, hit. And I was telling another comrade not too long ago, they figured out, uh, particularly the uh, South Carolina prison system, how to weaponize uh, weaponize this uh, pandemic, you know, weaponize it against us. So we not only just find it in the prisons, but we're also finding that local sheriffs uh, uh figured out how to weaponize this pandemic as well. Um, I was uh, received a communication from someone that was locked up in Colleton County in South Carolina recently. You know, they set up tents out there, and they're actually chaining people down, shackling them down outside in tents, the males and the men in one tent, the females in another tent, the women in another tent, and they're shackling them down for two weeks. So if you can't afford your bond and get out, then you're out there in those elements for two weeks, um, and they're saying that this is quarantine, you know. So this is where they're weaponizing it, and, 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 and I think in the most barbaric fashion, you know, if you can't if you can't house people in decent conditions, then definitely you need to let them go right then. You know, no need to be trying to hold them, and particularly these are poor people because they can't afford their bail. If they're out there for two weeks, then they couldn't afford it, considering somebody that may go straight in and get right out a couple of hours later because they can afford bail. So these are some of the things that um, I've noticed in this particular state. Uh, with myself directly, like you say, yes, definitely been locked down. I've noticed it's been slightly clamped down on my communications, uh, definitely a lot of monitoring. But once again, we know that this comes with the territory whenever you're uh, challenging something that is essential to maintaining the status quo, in this case, which is legalized slavery. You know, it's something we've been challenging for a number of years now, and um, it's something we're going to keep challenging. We like to say data struggle, data win, you know, and we intend on winning this right here. So in regards to my personal conditions, I'm always mindful of the bigger picture and what this is all about. Thank you for your testimony, brother. I needed that to lift me up today, man, because, you know, uh, the stuff we cover on a regular basis is such toll, but experiencing is even more. Uh, of a tool. So I understand the strength it takes to even be here right now. I also like to have an opportunity to hear from Crystal, too. You're just sitting there all quiet, but you're the one that brought all of this together. You were the person that helped organize two uh, prison labor work strikes across the nation, uh, an event in D.C. that was uh, simultaneously happening all across the country, but those behind enemy lines together with those outside as well as those across the waters at an international level. And I've always told you, like, you know, one of my heroes, a superhero. So do you have anything you wanted to say? 
Well, I just, you know, um, as Brother S.J. said uh, earlier, you know, certainly want to commend you and the Abolitionist Today host, Yusuf and, and Sister Hannah, for the continued and ongoing work that you've been doing. It's just, it's just been amazing, you know, to see the dedication from the team and yourself. And so I, I definitely want to send out a congratulations, a solidarity and all of that to, to the whole team there. Um, but as, um, as Shay said just a moment ago, you know, the struggle certainly continues. You know, I see, you know, with, with the climate of what's happening in, in the nation currently, it seems like people are ready for change. Um, and like you said, you know, we don't need everybody. Just, just the collective of those who are serious about ending slavery here. So, um, I'm excited about what's to come. I see change happening. All this, the dialogue, the conversation is happening. I'm approached by people. People are more receptive to this, much more um, than they were back in 2018 when the Millions for Prisoners Human Rights March was taking place. So, I'm excited about uh, what what's to come. Yeah, that makes two of us, I'm sure. Uh, just, you know, as a witness, watching the bigger picture of it all coming together, even in the parts that I'm not physically involved with, it's just a wonderful thing to see. And, and I think we all need that, uh, to know that that's happening because we do see the other part of it, the part we have to suffer through every single day and the hate that's thrown at us for no apparent reason and the way our brothers and sisters and mothers and fathers and sons and daughters are forgotten for no other reason than a cell bar door just closed. And that was the end of their story. Nobody cares anymore. And they talk about economic prosperity and trying to heal, and they talk about uh, trying to build communities. But how are you going to do that while legal slavery is happening? How are you going to do that when they can go in and pluck as many of you as they want any time they want? How can you call that healing? You can't, and we can't heal until this is ended. No once it's ended, oh, my God, would the legal aspect end it? The flood of cases that will hit the court no longer protected by the 13th Amendment's loophole will be enormous. I'm just dreaming of the day, man. That's right, That's right, right. No, no, I was disagreeing with you there. Absolutely. <laughs> I was disagreeing yeah. with you, brother. Absolutely. Well, I have a question for my co-host for you. He said, uh, have you heard anything about the uh, attorney general and parole? He said uh, he had heard that, you know, the places were on the verge of violence and that the AG is now the head of the parole where only 3% of the people are getting parole and some are not being released at all. Do you know anything about that? Um, no. Uh, which state is he? Is he speaking on the state level or the federal? He's speaking on the state level and uh, you know which area? On the state level, and I kind of thought, he, you know, when he told me to ask the question, I was like, I'm not sure where you're referring to. He said, he'll know what I'm talking about. So he didn't yeah. give me this thing. But I'm thinking he might have met you. He was either in Baltimore or Maryland or either in Georgia maybe, or okay. Alabama. Now, I'm not sure. Now, what I what I can tell you is that we know that sporadically uh, throughout the nation we have been hearing a lot of uh, disruptions um, that have been occurring inside the prisons. Um, and um, a lot of these disruptions um, have been with prisoners um, responding particularly to the um, to the coronavirus and the, uh, the inadequate protections um, that the uh, states have been affording them, you know. Um, and I'm also hearing there's also been disruptions inside the federal prison systems as well. 
um, over very similar uh, similar complaints. Um, and some of these complaints, some of these uh, issues have been also, uh, I think some of these issues also, the government as well as state officials feel may be slightly influenced by some of the outside elements, by what's taking place on the outside right now. So due to a lot of the uh, uh, racial conversation that's going on outside right now concerning racial justice, um, concerning uh, concerning the police, uh, we are definitely seeing an uptick. And once again, it goes back to I was telling you, dealing with communications, you're seeing a lot of key people, key figures, um, and we're hearing about it as well, that are being more monitored more closely inside the prisons, in particular organized prisoners. Um, so we're seeing a lot of that. I haven't heard anything yet about the AGs taking over the parole board, uh, circumstances, parole, uh, parole, parole and pardon services. Uh, but I would not be surprised if they aren't somewhere in the picture paying more close attention, particularly even to the people that are on probation right now that may be participating in a lot of the ongoing protests or unrest on the streets out there. Um, you know, to figure out how to pick them up and get them out from uh, from those crowds and get them back into a jail cell. So uh, that's about as much as I can speak about that. Well, there's been a lot of activity outside, too, you know, with the people pulling down statues, with them using facial recognition software and uh, videos to, you know, make mass arrests. The uh, president just signed a bill saying that uh, anybody that defaces a statue is going to get 10 years of federal crime. So they've monetized our suffering on the outside, too. They've monetized our protests on the outside, too, where they're making all kinds of money off of our, our, our suffering. It's a terrible circumstance. There is a question. Go ahead. Go ahead. Uh, well, I, I wanted something to cross my mind just now. I wanted to say this here. Uh, I think that one of the things that I've noted that has been uh, seriously missing from the conversation on the outside right now as it relates to a lot of the uh, uh, racial justice issues that uh, people are uh, bringing up at this particular moment as it relates to um, black people in particular. Uh, one of the things that's missing, missing in that conversation is about prisons, jails, and particularly legalized slavery, uh, the 13th Amendment. I'm not sure. I think the biggest, most racist monument right now is that 13th amendment you know mm -hmm. and it's just amazing how it's missing in the conversation i don't think you know um i was reading a uh reading something the other day and it was talking about the connection between the cops and the prisons and what i don't understand is how can anyone say they're holding a sincere conversation about racial justice or racial social justice in this nation and you're not talking about prisons you know and all this running parts so that's just, you know, I, I always say that those conversations are disingenuous at this particular moment. I'm not seeing it what I'm not seeing what everyone else is seeing in it. And maybe that is why, because I understand that, like you mentioned earlier about, you know, the um, cops and about how, you know, uh, how they're having these conversations. And at the hold on for one second, please. One sec. Okay. You there? Yes. All right, then. My apologies. So uh, you're saying they so, have these conversations without that in it, right? Yeah. Uh, I kind of lost my thought there, but I'm, I'm thinking I'm along <laughs> the lines that I'm not, I'm, I'm not quite grasping how they're holding conversations about cops and about the uh, 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 racial institution of policing, and you're not talking about 
the racial policing of the entire judicial system. You know, that's just the problem. You know, you can't get around that. You can't talk about one component and figure out it's not connected to the other component, particularly when you're dealing with cops and you know it comes from uh, slave patrols. You know, you can't get around that or that and the development out of that history there and how it all connects back to where we're at today. So I have serious problems with some of that that's going on, but I do see a lot of the potential in the conversation out there. Um, and I am enjoying some of the developments that we are seeing out there. And I think also if I'm enjoying it and believing it has some potential to go somewhere, um, I'm sure it has um, the authorities very nervous because it's more than me and there's other people also probably seeing the potential in what's developing out there right now. Oh, yeah, I'm in agreement. Agitation does serve its purposes. You might not be talking about the right thing, but if you're agitating, that is causing something to occur. You know, recently the Floyd family, uh, as well as 600, more than 600 organizations, wrote a letter asking the U.N. to do, I guess, uh, discussions uh, Mm -hmm. on systemic racism here in the United States, and the U.N. has agreed that they're going to do that. Uh, One of the things that we've been putting out there is you cannot have a discussion on systemic racism without talking about the 13th Amendment and for-profit prison going throughout this country, because if you're doing that, it's like talking about creating a car with no mechanics in the room, because that's what's behind it all. So I'm I'm with you 100% on that as well. I'd like to inform you of one of the tools we've added to our toolkit now in a legislative manner. Um, You know, we were already focused on all the 24 states to have exception clauses in order to build up momentum towards a repeal of the 13th and take out that pro-slavery language. Well, now we have another tool to use. In New Jersey, they are doing a voter initiative. It's called 145 on the ballot on November 3rd, vote 145, uh, where they're inserting anti-slavery language. So they don't have anything in there, as I say, whether they're for or against slavery. So instead, they are putting it in there. Uh, New Jersey abolishes slavery with no exceptions, period, basically something like that. And that's awesome, I think. It, it, we can use that in every state in the union now. So we got all the states covered on a legislative level to make slavery illegal. Okay. All right. Awesome. Awesome. All right. All right. And that's what, one point, you say 1.45? It's 1.45. Uh, 1.45. November 3rd in New Jersey. And they're presenting that as a model that we can use next to the Colorado model. So with those two states' models, we got every state covered. And we've already got about a dozen states on board to remove their exception clauses so the momentum is being built. And that leads to the final thing. You have an, you're organizing again for this year, to September and August. Is that correct? Mm-hmm. Yes, that is correct. Um, uh, starting um, August the 21st, we're um, asking people um, to uh, do something in the, in this, uh, in the spirit of the uh, national prison strike that uh, previously took place um, with the national 10 demands that's laid out. Um, We're asking people, and not even necessarily have to go off the national 10 demands, but just to recognize what's going on in this country today as it relates to the so-called criminal justice system in this nation. Uh, We're asking people to highlight the issues in their state, in their counties, uh, to organize whether it is in-person, protest, demonstration, uh, whether it's just posting on social media, whether it is just holding some type of town hall forum, 
Um, just in general, we just want people to pick up the conversation between August the 1st, um, which is starting in during uh, Black August month, um, and it's ending on the day of the Attica Uprising, uh, which is in September. And uh, we're asking people throughout that time to pick a day. If you want to do the whole, the whole time, you can. If you just want to do one day, um, just do what you can, what you're allowed to do right now. And sometimes just posting something on social media and solidarity with the call, uh, with the call out um, to take some form of action to highlight, uh, to highlight um, our issues in the prisons and also those that are not necessarily directly but indirectly connected to the prison industrial slave complex, those issues as well. So that's kind of what we're asking for during that time period. Well, you know, uh, Abolition Today is going to be doing it every week, uh, okay. before, during, and after, we're working towards the same goal. And, you know, I, I'm going to quote you, brother. You just said a mouthful a while ago when you said the biggest, most racist monument, 10th Amendment. You know, people keep pointing at Mount Rushmore, but that's bigger than Mount Rushmore. <laughs> yeah, bigger than Mount Rushmore. Yeah, I'm going to quote you on that, man. Uh, any other commentary or issues that you want to bring to light while we have the opportunity? Because uh, I know how hard it is to get these calls between us uh, facilitated. So was there anything else you wanted to add or mention or people? Absolutely. Well, I, I just ask people not to forget the people, the men and women behind the walls um, that's fighting this fight. Um, and um, definitely we asking people to listen in to abolition today, to listen in, to pay attention. Um, I think just very recently um, I sent word out uh, to another comrade inside. They said he actually posted something on our Twitter account uh, encouraging people as well to make sure they're listening in, to learn. This is the whole reason this program is active right now. Uh, it's the um, – I, I like to say this here is the only active one today that is um, speaking to our issues at hand. So we ask you to please listen in, pay attention. Um, and also, uh, when the brothers and the sisters tell you to become active from this program, something is an initiative going on, please take note of it. Take action. Um, that is it. I just want to thank you again, comrade. I mean, brother, you're doing a fantabulous job. Uh, we were very appreciative of the work you're doing from behind enemy lines. We just want to let you know because we know your heart, your passion, and your sincerity in this right here. And I just can't thank you enough. Man, like I said, I needed that today, and the feeling is mutual, brother. You know, we're in this together. Um, we, You are not forgotten, and uh, none of the comrades and brothers and sisters behind me lines are not forgotten. Nobody, Nobody's life is disposable. It's just not, that's not how we work here. It's not how God intended things, and I'm grateful to be a vessel uh, for this. You know, he t when he told me to get into the whale, I had some trepidations, <laughs> but I, I got into the whale anyway. <laughs> you know what I mean? And uh, he, as you mentioned earlier, behind everything that we're doing is you and Crystal and the, the people in uh, New Orleans or in Louisiana and in the Alabama movement, the brothers and sisters behind the lines, who don't just want to see symbolic gestures. I mean, it's all well and fine to change these amendments, but the bottom line has got to be to seek freedom for those who have had their stolen. That's right. Protect our babies. Protect our babies. Do you have kids, brother? Um, no, no, I don't have any right now. You know, God willing, maybe one day, but at this particular moment, I don't. Nephews and nieces? Um, nephews and nieces, yes. 
uh, send them a few words, lift them up, if you don't mind. The next send generation to hear something. Because, you know, 70%, there's been a 70% increase in suicide among young black males in the past few years. Mm-hmm. And uh, the reflection of that in their white counterparts has seen a decrease. Uh, they're coming up in a world where they think there's no hope. So they need some hope, even from people who, who, who all they have is hope. <laughs> you know what I mean? Right, 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 right. Well, I I always say this here. Let me say this here. Um, although I don't have any blood children, I do have children I do consider mine, okay? Um, and I'm always mindful of the fact that uh, not only am I fighting for them, but I'm also fighting for the future of my nieces, my nephews, uh, my neighbor's children, um, your children, their children. Um, the fight that we do today is a fight for tomorrow, and at some point we're hoping to be able to have a victory. We always say this here, most of the time we see victories, and, and let me backtrack, not hoping to have a victory, but we will have a victory. We shall win. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I want to say this here, a lot of times we, a lot of people don't recognize is that these battles are protracted battles. It's not something that you're going to win overnight. Sometimes it's not something you're going to win in one generation. It's those that come from um, the African ancestry over here. Uh, we know this. You know, we should know this from history. We didn't just uh, come from one form of slavery overnight. It took generations. And so we like to say we stand on the shoulders of those that stood before us. And I just want those that are out there that are younger or that are coming up in the struggle or listening to know that I want to be some of them shoulders that you can reflect back on later that you're standing on top of. And that's it. All right, brother. Uh, Crystal, would you like to leave us with any final comments? or? or I would. I would. I have thoroughly, thoroughly enjoyed our conversation today. It feels like it's been too long since since we uh, three of us have been able to get together and have these types of conversations. And so I'm just all smiles over here. But I would definitely like to send out encouragement, peace, and strength to the millions of men and women who are behind enemy lines currently and just know that uh, there are people, lots of people, who are fighting for you and supporting you. Um, and again, you know, certainly thank you to, to this program. Um, what a breath of fresh air it is to hear the truth each Sunday and to keep the issues at the forefront. So I thank you and the entire team. And, and again, huge shout out to the uh, men and women who are locked up right now because these are the people who are dealing with on a day-to-day basis the things that um, the injustice, the oppression, and, and the things that we are uh, fighting against. So that's all for me, and I, and I thank you again. No doubt. Well, I'm going to stop the recording in a moment uh, here from Abolition Today, and it, we might continue our conversation after that. So uh, thank you for participating in this recorded part of it. Much appreciated, and we'll get as much as we can on the air as soon as possible. Bye-bye. Abolition. 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 You just heard Jay Hausler speak, starting with Land of the Free by Esperanza Spalding, and followed by a discussion with Crystal Roundtree and an essay of Jay Hausler speak. Yusuf? That was excellent, Max. You did a great job, and I thank SJ and Crystal for that. 
all of the feedback, so much covered in, in such a short period of time, you know, and it's unfortunate that I was unable to be on the call with you guys at the time, but it was really great. I really enjoyed it. A lot came out of it and plenty to discuss. You were doing some very important stuff at that time, though. We all know, you know, you was working out uh, with the Columbia uh, University students there who were trying to get them on board, uh, the abolitionist movement. Am I right? Absolutely. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And, you know, inshallah, God willing, we'll have a couple of big announcements coming soon with uh, Columbia um, University's uh, involvement in the abolitionist movement. So that was a couple of things that he mentioned. Uh, first, let me say uh, the song, <laughs> Land of the Free. Oh, my God. I'm sure that touched everybody that could touch me. And from what I understand, uh, that's just Celebrity Crush, right? Esperanza yeah, man. I, I love me some Esperanza <laughs> Spalding. Like, I love that woman. <laughs> I, I can you know, understand why. She plays, she plays bass like me, you know. I play bass and drums <laughs> and some piano, but she's a bassist. <laughs> yeah, I love everything yeah. about her. You know, she's a beautiful <laughs> sister, and, you know, she puts out a lot of positivity in her music, or all positivity. You know, she's very talented, and just to hear something like that coming across just makes me love her even more. Yes, and it's very fitting. I like the idea that we get a chance to show love to these artists out there. You know, we hear about so often people say, oh, I stopped listening to hip-hop because it got so negative. You know, who are you listening to hip-hop from? Where is your source? Because you're probably right. listening to some corporate media, and their whole intention is not to entertain you, but to snatch up your children's minds and lead them in different directions than you would like them to go. Here, at a place like this we play, we got a different intention. We want to love these people. We want. We are so proud to know there's artists like you in the world, and we want people to hear you. Yeah, and I mean, you know, when you, listen, you, you, you take her, she signed the Universal. She signed to a, you know, a major label, so... It's not that the labels don't know what they're doing when you have certain artists on heavy rotation on the urban radio stations, you know, but yet they have someone like Esperanza Spalding on their roster, and most people have never even heard of her. Amen, brother. Well, some of the things that uh, was brought up during the conversation was about, for instance, the people who have yet to pay bail. They haven't been convicted of any crime. So they don't even fall under the 13th, 13th Amendment's property clause yet as a slave. Right. And yet they're being treated like that. Uh, you haven't been convicted of anything. But the way they weaponize this pandemic, as he described it, is by segregating people into these outside tents, open to the elements, and shackling them to their bunks there for two weeks straight. I guess the only time they let them up is to go use the bathroom or the weekly shower or however often they get to have that and to eat. But otherwise, from what you're saying, they're shackled up in there. That is a human rights violation of the highest order happening right now. Uh, Absolutely. And, and we covered that uh, in a case. It was one of our earlier episodes, maybe episode two or episode three, where a person was in uh, uh, pretrial detention. And they tried to force him to work in in the laundry room. That was uh, 
up in Massachusetts, and he actually sued based on the 13th Amendment to say, look, I'm a pretrial detainee. I'm not under, you know, the 13th Amendment exception clause, and he actually won his lawsuit against them. So uh, these people that are going through that, they have a remedy for that where those that are in pretrial detention cannot be forced to work. They cannot be subjected to the things that the 13th Amendment is allowing to happen for those that are, you know, in the prison system. You know, we're not saying that it's right in either way. That's what we're fighting against. But at least we can say those that are in pretrial detention have a remedy right now. So that's their remedy. Right. A few years ago uh, when I was uh, broadcasting on another radio program, uh, we did an investigation about what was going on with the jails using the inmates there who have not been convicted as labor, free labor. And we found out that there was a lot of religious organizations like CARE who were actually uh, facilitating this and getting the money behind it uh, to use people who were in jails, even in detention centers, to go and work on places like chicken farms, where they literally live on the chicken farm and work every day, 12 hours a day, for free. <laughs> and they have never been convicted of anything. So these wow. are supposedly programs to prevent them from going to prison, uh, which is basically uh, extortion is what it is, is extortion. Yeah, Either you do you this know, the, salvation, or... the Salvation Army is famous for that, you know, with the their drug rehabilitation program. You know, as part of alternatives to incarceration, you know, the Salvation Army is one of the providers of this drug rehabilitation but I've had guys literally walk into my office because Salvation Army used to be, when I used to be in Patterson, New Jersey, the Salvation Army uh, facility was, you know, walking distance away, and guys would go there, and they'd leave the program because they say instead of them actually getting the drug treatment that they're supposed to be there for, they have them unloading trucks all day long. You know, they weren't actually getting any drug rehab. You know, so guys would just walk away. <laughs> You know, so, yeah, I know exactly what you're talking about, Max. A couple of other points that I want to try to get out real quick that that he spoke on. He said, you know, these conversations that they keep having where they're focusing on the police. If you think the police is bad because the video is everywhere and they can't get away with nothing, imagine what it's like in prison with the guards, with no cameras, and nobody to witness, and you're risking your life just to make a phone call for a plea for help. Imagine what it's like there. And you can't talk about just the one aspect of it and not talk about the other aspect. Again, it's like forgetting people were in prison. Like, oh, we do have the largest prison population in the world. I forgot. My bad. That's not how it should be working, you know? You right. and I had a conversation at the abolitionist meeting where uh, we discussed a previous conversation we had here on the program saying that in the case of a pandemic, how many people can be released from these prisons and jails is an estimate. And so we pulled up the charts from uh, the whole pie 2020 from the prison uh, justice initiative, I think it's called. And we looked at it and examined it. It was like 70% of the people could be let out. Like most of these are not in there for no hardcore crimes. Most of them are drugs or poverty related. Uh, There's like 50,000 people 
who are in jail now for being disorderly. We haven't released 50,000 people because of the pandemic. But that's how many are just in there for being disorderly. Right. Right. Disorderly conduct is anywhere from carrying an open, you know, alcohol container, you know, urinating in public, you know, which many of these are just fines. And because they can't afford to pay the fine, they end up incarcerated. And the other thing that I want to bring up is what he was talking about with the conversations that we're having with these international bodies and nationwide. And I feel the same way as you heard um, the, the discussion, and I'm sure you do too. These elements of the system have to be included. You cannot keep omitting them like you don't know. I mean, for real, what the hell is wrong with people? How are you going to get there and talk about institutional racism, 400 years of slavery, and then assume that the 13th Amendment did exactly what they told you it did? <laughs> you know, right. All you have to do is read it. look around. How many people are in prison? Mm, okay. How much is the cost of skipping in prison? Mm, okay. Bing. Slavery. <laughs> I mean, come on, man. I mean, maybe a little bit more difficult than that, but you get the gist of the whole thing. Um, I got Absolutely. a couple of pieces of good news I want to share, and then we'll do our music break, and after that, there's a call we're going to take, hopefully for the Free Alabama Movement. Um, the, the other two things that I want to announce was, uh, one, Jeff uh, Markle, I believe it's Markle, he, he mentioned as Joe in the interview. I didn't know then, but I do know now. Uh, he is the senator from Oregon. And two days ago, he tweeted out that he is introducing a bill uh, to re- repeal the exception clause from the 13th Amendment. He explained it as well as either one of us could do here on this program as to why he was doing it, uh, and then said that that is going to be his goal right now. And it was a beautiful thing to see, man, because right after that, candidate Mark Charles for president, the first abolitionist candidate since Abe Lincoln, Came on talking about I'm the only candidate. <laughs> <laughs> right. It was beautiful to see, man. It was beautiful. Yeah, you've never really seen beautiful. nothing like that. You know? Never seen nothing like that. And then t- today there was a little, uh, I guess it was a, a cartoon that came out. Uh, what, is, what do they call that type of cartoon? Politically oriented cartoon? Satire. Kind of sat down. Yeah. Came out about the Thirteenth Amendment. In my whole life, I've never seen one because it's not something people talk about. But to see satire come out about it means it's reached reach the political ears now because they're making satires about it, and that was beautiful. So shout out to the senator in Oregon, man. We're going to keep following up on that, and hopefully, we can get him here on abolition today. We will certainly try. And the other thing is, uh, we have come up with a date as to the launch of the uh, Anti-Slavery Association or the Abolitionist Association of America, uh, that's going to happen on the 28th of August, during Black August. So I'm looking forward to that, too. You were on the call the other day with that when uh, the date was determined. So that is a beautiful thing to hear. That's definitely beautiful. Definitely beautiful. Was in the pudding and everything we're saying, man. Not only are we telling you the truth, but those people already getting the work done. We can use all the help that we can get, you know what I mean? But the work is getting done, state by state by state. It's a process. It's a strategy. And here on Abolition Today, you get to hear a lot of those processes and strategies, at least 
the meteor part. So, so I want to get into our next music segment. Uh, got a really great piece here today. Uh, we've got Anderson Pac, uh lockdown going to be combined with a couple of clips. One where a policeman in Georgia uh, addresses the woman that he stopped there. You'll, you'll hear it all. So we're going to play that, and then when we come back on the other side, uh, we'll have a little commentary, and we'll open up the line for our caller. Be right back. Abolition. Abolition. Hey, Louise. This is Dr. Hotze, Steve Hotze in Houston. I want you to give a message to the governor. I want to make sure that he has National Guard down here, and they have the order to shoot to kill. If any of these son-of-a-bitch people start rioting like they have in Dallas, start tearing down businesses, Shoot to kill the son of a bitches. That's the only way you restore order. Kill him. Thank you. Received. You should have been downtown. The people are rising. We thought it was a lockdown. They opened the fire. Them bullets were flying. Who said it was a lockdown? Goddamn lie. Oh, my. Time heals all, but you out of time now. Judge gotta watch us from the clock tower. Little tear gas cleared the whole place out. I'll be back with the hazmat for the next round. We was trying to protest and the fires broke out. Look out for the secret agents, they be planted in the crowd. Set a civil unrest, but you sleep so sound. Like you don't hear the screams when we catching beat down. Staying quiet when they're killing niggas, but you speak loud when we ride. Got opinions coming from a place of privilege. Sicker than the COVID, how they did them on the ground. Speaking of the COVID, cause it's still going around. Why won't you tell me about the looting? What's really all about cause they throw away black lives like paper towels plus unemployment rate what 40 million now killed a man in broad day might never see a trial we just want to break chains like slaves in the south started in the north end but we in the downtown riot cops try to block now we got a showdown Down. you should have been downtown the people are rising we thought it was a lockdown they opened the fire. The bullets are flying. Who said it was a lockdown? Goddamn lie. Turn on YouTube, dog. Look how they do us. Knee on our necks. Bullets and backs. Stimulus checks. Strictly for blacks. History we repeat, people scared to eat a chicken. Everybody going vegan, what they put in it. Look at the world we living in, they got a shook in it. You go on your jog, then your color might get you took in it. The man in the mirror can't look away, you gotta look at it. Black lives matter, so what it means when they shoot at it. Generation genocide, what happened to enterprise? Heard the man infiltrated, Black Panther re-energized, ain't nothing to figure out. They trying to kill us out. If I take a nail, see my fist, I'm a killer now. Just think, bullshit, you gotta filter out. Are you really ready for the smoke like a swisher house? Ready for the revolution, who ready to ride? It won't be Televised, so tell me who ready to die. If downtown going up, where we have it to shit? We at the liquor store, nigga, about to get us a fifth. No, they about to start looting, grab the gloves and mask. Watch out for them tanks when they rolling past, shit. <laughs> Never understand why they do it. Someone cut the channel off the news before I lose it. I ain't even tripping. If you with it, then we lose it. Help me put this Louie in the back of Suzuki. Oh, he had to break it down so smoothly. They gon' say it's not about race, but we moving. Oh, how? Cut the trade pound at the in my name, wish a nigga play now uh, Any given day, I'll be headed to the pulpit Say a little prayer, matter of fact, I need two of them Ooh, won't he do it, won't he do it Ooh, this ain't 92, so we in the new rules Niggas got hit, so we don't lose the project About to hit Odell with my love, cause the market Throwing through a whole brick in the Neiman market Help me put the whole mannequin in the charger You should've been downtown The people are rising We thought it was a lockdown They opened the fire 
Today, you just heard a clip of Houston's GOP power broker, Steve Holtz's voicemail he sent to the Texas governor's chief of staff just earlier in June. That was followed by Anderson Pack lockdown and ending with a clip of Georgia, of Georgia cop's statement about killing black people to a driver at a t- traffic stop. Yusuf? <laughs> you know, that, uh, what, what was that guy's name? Uh, that left the voicemail. The I, I, I missed, I missed his name real quick. I was just posting it to Our the page. Broker, Steve Holtz. Steve Holtz. That was Steve Holtz. <laughs> yeah, he that was the GOP. Unbelievable. When we say genocidal maniacs, we mean genocidal right. maniacs. <laughs> yeah, you gave it the. You gave it the. Uh, the perfect phrase, homicidal maniac. Yeah, I mean, they're literally calling for mass murderers, mass murder, yeah, both mass murderers and mass murderers, because whoever call, they call in is either going to do it or not going to do it. I mean, when the time comes for you to put your jack boot down on somebody's neck and fire into their head, you got to ask yourself, hmm, should I stop now? <laughs> Man, excuse me. Well, hopefully we have a caller. This call calling in from Alabama. You yes, he's uh, going to be calling in uh, free from Free Alabama Mo- uh, Movement. He wanted to make mention of the uh, August twenty second event that they have, the National Day for Freedom and Justice. All right. So you can go ahead and bring uh, him on in on the line, Max. Okay, is that the seven eight three number or the two five six seven eight three? It is the the seven eight three number. Seven eight three. Okay, gotcha. All right. Free Alabama Moon, you are on abolition today. Uh welcome. This is Max and Yusuf here. Hey, how you doing, brother? I appreciate y'all having us on again. Uh good to hear from Max again. Hey, this is Ben O'Hannibal Rasan. Uh, hey, peace, brother. brother. Oh, I was just talking about you earlier, man, because I said I haven't yeah. seen anything from you, man. Alhamdulillah, yeah, praise be to God that I'm able to hear from you, man. I appreciate it, wow. brother. Yourself, uh, like I said, it's an honor to be on again. Uh, we met up with some organizers. They were organizing the uh, National Freedom and Justice event, the protests that are going on around the United States. And uh, we reached out to them and let them know we would like to be a part of it and that we support them. Uh, I've met one of the organizers so far. Her name is Janet Lee. And uh, she's been out pushing the uh, the protest, the national protest. Um, one of the events that they're going to have 
um, on at four o'clock Eastern Standard Time, they're going to ring the bells of freedom, let freedom ring, and they're going to have that uh, event. So at four o'clock Eastern Standard Time, they're coordinated, uh, adjusted to your time zone. So whatever time zone you're in, they're asking people to purchase these uh, bells. And at four o'clock Eastern Time, they're going to ring those, and we're going to try to make freedom ring all around the United States wow. uh, at one time. So yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Man, I got to Philly real quick. I got to go to Philly and get me a sledgehammer. I know just the bell I want to ring. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So everybody Man, get those know, bells ready. Get those get bells, bells ready. ready. Um, I love it. We yeah. Make freedom and I ring. Just, Brother, so good to hear from you, man. Man, rock the bells. <laughs> right. I want to just add one more thing. Um uh, piggybacking on what y'all are talking about, you know, we're seeing all of these events going on around the United States. We're seeing all these protests against pro t- uh, police brutality, the murders and going on. Uh, we're seeing protests at the police stations and whatnot. And the same thing has to happen at the prisons. We've been talking about this since 2014, that guys on the inside have to be inspired. They have to be motivated. This system has broken a lot of people's spirits. And the way that we lift people up is that when we bring these protests to the prisons, guys on the outside see that noise, hear that noise, feel that noise, that energy projects back in. And that's what helps us organizers on the inside get people back to being a part of the movement. Because even though we're seeing all of this stuff going on around the country, we're seeing very little activity uh, and engagement at the prisons or inside of the prisons. And so opportunities like this are always great because it gives us our organizers and people on the inside an opportunity to motivate, to get people to understand that we have to take an active role in this fight. No one can do it for us. We can't sit back and wait. This is our time. Now is everyone's time. Uh, we have more police murders coming up that they advertise about. Max, you know you talk about it all the time, how they used to advertise when they're fixing to kill someone, and they would call the whole community mm-hmm. together, and they would have these events. Well, that's what capital punishment is. That's what they do. They advertise. They let you know we got a day coming up. We're fixing to kill someone. These are police murders, too. These police officers and the forces that carry these murders out, these people need to be identified just like the people who are committing these murders in these police uniforms in the street. And we need to know who these killers are in our society, who are on these death teams, who are the police officers, because some of them are are, are ministers. They're youth league coaches. They're out there walking around in the community, but they're killers. They're state-sanctioned killers also. And so we want to rip the mask off of those people in, in addition to the ones that we see, like the ones the George Floyd, in the George Floyd murder. So I just want to add that and let people know August the 22nd, 2020, nationwide freedom and justice protests all around the country. Get involved. Do something. Lift up the voices from the inside, and those on the inside, do your part to be heard. Mm. Y'all heard him, man, loud and clear right here in Abolition today. Uh, like I said, brother, it's just, it's just my heart is going just hearing your voice because, you know, we were so worried about you for so long, you know what I mean? Uh, ever since that documentary came out and Al Jazeera got the story, you, they've been treating you real bad. Uh, you want to tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, um, basically, um, I've been operating behind these lines for a while. Uh, we've been using social media as part of our platform and Free Alabama Movement, encouraging guys, you know, we have access to phones. We have access to these devices. We have to use them. They have to become freedom tools. They have to become part of the struggle. That's what technology does. It allows us to be more active, to participate in this process. 
And so we have been organizing around the country. We've been doing press interviews. Uh, we've been uh, creating our own videos, uh, filming instances of police brutality, everything. And so uh, we did a, a documentary with HBO Vice and then followed that up with another one from Al Jazeera, and they just went in full attack mode. But that's part of it. You know, we're not we're not running from that. We don't want no sympathy from that. I know you just want me to put the story out there, but, you know, I feel honored that they felt like my voice and my message and the things that we were doing within Free Alabama Movement was concerning enough for them to have to take action because most of the time the stuff that's coming out, people are saying and doing, it's not, it's not a threat, you know, but we're trying to make our voices something that they have to reckon with and they're doing that. They're retaliating. Uh, I spent about five years in solitary confinement. Kinetic Justice spent mm. over five years in solitary confinement. Mm. They're attacking us uh, for using these platforms, for using our voices, and we're not going to stop. Uh, we just had another round of protests here in Alabama, June 23rd, 24th, 25th. Uh, the Queen team supported us, and the community came out. We had those protests at the parole board. We're back with another protest. This month, July the 15th, we're supporting Reverend um, Sankey, here he's having a protest in Montgomery. Free Alabama movement is behind him 100%, and we're behind these other protests. I think Jay House Lawyer Speak has one coming up. We're behind. We're, we're with all of that. All of the voices, everyone that's helping us to lift our voice up in this uh, freedom struggle, abolitionist struggle, abolitionist movement, Free Alabama movement, prisoner human rights movement, we're with all of it. Word, brother. Uh, word. We, we, we got your back, man. Any parting words you want to leave us? Uh, audience with Hold on one second, Max. Max, Max, oh, one second before we let him go. Uh, okay. I've been trying to get some clarity on this uh, this uh, former Attorney General Gratic and being in charge of the the parole board. I've been mentioning it for a couple of weeks, but I haven't had any in depth information. Could you shed some light on on that situation for us, please? Yeah, uh, Gratic, he's like uh, Joe Biden, the Joe Biden of Alabama. Uh, Gratic is the person that he was a former attorney general. He wrote the habitual offender law for the state of Alabama. Uh, then he, he he also ran for judge in the county out of Mobile County where he's from. Uh, part of his uh, campaign, the Ku Klux Klan, went down to Mobile and rallied and supported him. They got out in the street. Uh, they had a rally. They let it known that they support Charlie Gratic. Um, so he went back to Montgomery. He was appointed as the the director of the Bureau of Pardon and Parole over the state of Alabama. And since he's been on there, he's shown that he continues to live by uh, uh, the, the the ideology of white supremacy. They're denying paroles. They're they're allowing less people to make parole. Uh, they've cut the parole hearings in half. This past week after our protest, they didn't have any hearings. And also, we starting to get more and more numbers about who's who's being granted parole. They're only letting white men out. They're letting out a lot of white men. Uh, they're letting out a few white women, a few black men. No black women are being uh, allowed out. We protested about that in in the last round, and they let one black woman make parole. And we know that was in response to what we were doing down there. But Gratic is, uh, you know, he, he's running it with an iron fist. We already know what's going on. And we just saw a statement from Jay Towns. Uh, who's the U.S. attorney in this district that's part of the investigation with the Department of Justice that's investigating the Department of Corrections. And he said that he was applauding himself in law enforcement. They said that crime had gone down because the feds don't have parole. And so basically he's signaling to the state of Alabama 
that they're in disagreement with what they're doing with the parole board, not letting people out. It looks like they're planning for a civil war, Max. I don't know. You have to, you know, enlighten a little bit more uh, than me on that right there. But they're only allowing white males out on parole. Very few other people, very few other demographics, and hardly any black women. Um, you know, there's probably some data or something that you can speak to about that. But that's what we're seeing. I mean, that's who he is. That's who he's always been, and he's making it known that ain't nothing changed for him. And he's implementing that through the Alabama Bureau of Pardon and Paroles, and we're protesting against that. We're doing our part down here in Alabama, and we're asking for anybody who want to support or get involved, not just with what we're doing with Free Alabama Movement, but especially what Janet Lee and her other friends are doing with the National uh, Day of Freedom and Justice, the protests that are going to go on all around the United States from August the 22nd. I appreciate that, brother. Pre- appreciate that. For those uh, listening, uh, the flyer is up on our Abolition Today uh, page, so you can get more information there as far as email addresses, uh, whom to contact, and things of that nature. Yeah, brother, thank you so much, man. And we have spoken to those things on a number of occasions. As far as whether they're trying to create a a civil war or a race war, as they try to uh, say, try to try to call it, without actually saying what it really is, which is what they think will be a massacre uh, at the cops in the beginning of the show. Express um, that they are creating events where it could lead to that, where these governors across the country can start using the national guard to do exactly what you heard in the clip: start shooting and killing them. Not just in the clip from the cop who has been on for decades, but also from one of the most powerful GOP members uh, in the state, telling that to the uh, secretary of the governor or to the chief of staff of the governor. That's what they're trying to do, man. And, you know, we're only 13% of the population. And the governor of Maine has already said our uniforms are going to be our skin color. The governor of Maine said that that our uniforms will be based on our skin color. So we already see where wow. this is all going. And, and the KKK president in chief is giving out dog whistles that ain't even dog whistles no more. They're freaking bullhorns, you know? <laughs> like he literally posted some crap about these white people and look like in golf carts driving by talking about white power. Thank you to supporters. <laughs> <laughs> my brother, my brother, yeah. I, I, we just want you to know you ain't forgotten. We keep you in mind here. We I know, man. The best we can I know it. I, to, yeah. Okay, brother. Say it. I appreciate it. Whatever and I appreciate y'all letting me coming on. I uh, appreciate the time. Uh, brother, you said we'll catch up, and Max, I'll be in touch. Yeah, definitely. No Good hearing from you, brother. I'm going to send you my direct number so you can call me at any time, brother. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate it. Solidarity, brother. Peace. All right, well, you heard uh, you heard it from him himself. This is what they're dealing with in Alabama. And C- Governor Kay Ivey is the one that approved, what was it, $800 million prison budget, uh, additional prison budget. She's the one that did the no-bid contracts with these for-profit uh, health care, <clears throat> prison health care companies, you know, especially during the pandemic where they're getting like $30,000, $40,000 just to feel your forehead. <laughs> well, we did treat him. We felt his forehead. That's thirty thousand right. dollars. You know, we know how they roll. It's a hustle, man. And we are the commodities. Human beings are the freaking commodities. 
which is what the lawsuit in Arizona states, that uh, the prisons are using human beings as commodities that are sold on the open market in the form of prison stocks and jail bonds. Doesn't get any clearer than that. Like, it's so simple, man. How did he do that? The 13th Amendment of the U.S. Constitution clearly states that slavery is abolished except for prisoners duly convicted. So once you become convicted of a crime, and as you heard earlier, sometimes you don't even need to get convicted because they just don't care. But once you become convicted of a crime, you lose all rights as a human being. You are now property of the state. And you ain't going to get it back without some special help, uh, even if you serve time and get out. You don't get your citizenship back. You, you're not allowed to vote in most states. You have to pay taxes, but you can't elect anybody. Or you're not uh, applicable for uh, assistance, public assistance, or housing assistance, or food assistance, or anything. You, right. You know, and, and you have lives that you have. You okay. have. Uh, you have uh, fines from the conviction that you have to pay, and you know they can lock you up at any time for not paying them, not mattering whether or not you can afford to pay them. You know, it's just a revolving cycle. You know, you have to deal with the parole, everything that goes on with parole. You had so many people that were on Rikers Island just for technical violations of parole. We're not even talking dirty urines or committing new crimes. We're talking about, you know, oh, you haven't been able to find a job in a month, so I'm going to lock you up, you know, or, you know, you're five minutes late for a curfew, so I'm going to lock you up, you know, or many other just technical reasons where it's not even a crime. The person didn't even commit a crime. So, yeah, it's a never-ending cycle. You know, we only are on for a short period of time. And during this program, we have given you enough evidence to have every nation on earth up in arms about what's happening here in the United States, just in this little short period of time right here. And it would not think we are just telling you, you heard it from the horse's mouth, so to speak. They are telling you what they're going to do. And the people on the inside and behind enemy lines have nothing else to do but try to fight for their freedom against this unjust, insane system that has been going on now in the way we know it since 1865. Go ahead, brother. No, I was just going to reiterate what our brother from uh, Jailhouse Lawyers Speak told us earlier. The biggest, most racist monument is the 13th Amendment. Right. Yeah, that was a huge statement. how How many bodies have dropped because of that? How many people have lost their freedom because of that? And not because they were a criminal or deserved it, as everybody likes to think, but simply because they were dealing with some slave catchers, just like they were dealing with them in the 1800s. And they died because of that. Or they got sent to prison for life or got tortured because of how many? You can make two Mount Rushmores with the body. That's how many. Um, we got to get a speed run of some things that we want, did want to mention before we uh, get into our final segment of the evening, Yusuf. On my list, okay. I'm looking through it. So much that, you know, is happening. You can find a lot of it through our page, Abolition Today. And also follow me at Max Parthas. I put out a lot of it as well. The one thing that stands out for me that I do want to mention is what happened in Oklahoma, where officers have been charged with murder after they used their tasers to taser man 53 times. 53 
three times, two officers. Put that in your head. At what point did they decide, well, this is enough to kill them. I think we should quit. The second, the third, the fourth. Fifty-three times is premeditated murder. By the 45th time, you don't figure out what you're doing. So that's Oklahoma, and that's what we're dealing with out here right now. These types of policemen, and you want us to trust any of you. <laughs> like That's like putting two sociopaths up with three nurses and say, pick which one you want to take care of you. I don't need to have, no, none of them. Right, <laughs> none of them. <laughs> none of them. All right, brother. So let's just, uh, do you have some uh, news segments that you want to mention before we start wrapping this up into uh, our last segment? No, we, 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 we covered everything for this week because a lot of the stuff that uh, that I was going to cover, we'd be covering next week anyway, so I can save it for then. I mean, we covered everything that's necessary right now. So I'm okay if we start uh, – some you know summation. Okay, uh, well, tag you in. Your turn. <laughs> <laughs> you know, uh, man, where to start? You know, it's it's just really good hearing from the people we represent. You know, because we do this and. You know, neither of us are being paid. We put a lot of time into these programs every week that people don't even know about. You know, yes, we're on the air for an hour and a half to two hours, but we probably put, you know, maybe 20 to 40 hours during the week into the program because so much is going on behind the scenes. And it's so good hearing from the people on the inside and them telling us, that they're pleased with the work that we're doing out here because that's the motivation because at any given moment, any one of us can become a hashtag. Any one of us could be, you know, put into the system of slavery that exists. It could happen to anyone, no matter how straight of an arrow a person thinks they are, no matter how square they are or, you know, no matter whether they call themselves Democrat, Republican, Independent, whether you vote, whether you sheep, it doesn't matter. It can happen to anybody at any given moment. So this program, if you would ask me, I would say it's a, it's a dedication to them, especially the jailhouse lawyers speak, and to the Free Alabama movement, because you take those two organizations uh, and IWOC, that's what kicked this off, at least for me. This this is what kicked all of this off, abolition today, and you know prior programs that we've been a part of, and we do this for them, you know. So that's my summation of today's show, Max. It works for me, brother. As you tell me every week, uh, that was perfect. That that is just fine. Um, I, I did I did want to say thank you to our sponsors today. Jailhouse Lawyers Speak, who you heard, I Am We, uh, Millions for Prisoners, Human Rights, Prison Advocacy Network, Same Urge, Quakers Uplifting Racial Justice, Paul Cuffey Abolitionist Center, Prismatic Dreams, Punks for Progress, and to the people on our team, uh, Jeanette Smith and Sharon Smith, uh, we couldn't really be doing it without you guys. Uh, unsung heroes in the background making things happen. 
so this all happens for you. Uh, and we are so happy that you're here to listen to this because, you know, you've been listening to all these different narratives for years. You've been watching old dogs do the same tricks over and over again. This is something nobody's really tried before, and it's always been there right in front of us. So let's get her done. <laughs> let's get her done. Right. right Yusuf? All right. We're going to get it done. We're going to go into our closing quotes uh, for the evening. And then when we're done with that, Yusuf will be introducing part 16 in the Bridging the Gap series. Uh, tonight's episode is, is really uh, insightful. And I'll give you this much of it. It's the first time that Abraham Lincoln lies right in Frederick Douglass's face and uh, treats him like just another poli- politicians would treat anybody. They really don't have no intention of helping. And uh, he, he takes it on the chin. You'll see. And the music behind it is pretty damn awesome. It's going to take you about 20 seconds to really get into it, so please listen for at least a few seconds, and you'll see where we're going. Um, here's my statement for the evening. And then I'll leave it to you, all right, Yusuf? Okay. Well, I got a quote. I got a quote and something I want to say. I'm as careful as can be, or at least I try to be as selective as possible in choosing who I will work with and why. Some might come into this thinking it will look good on an activist resume. I'm trying not to have it look good on my tombstone in present day. Pardon me if I'm only rolling with people who I know I can trust with my life. I've only got one life to live, one life to give, and I've already done that twice. My quote is from Frederick Douglass. It would not call it slavery, but some other name. Slavery has been fruitful in giving herself names, and it will call itself by yet another name, and you and I and all of us had better wait and see what new form this old monster will assume and what new skin this old snake will come forth. Uh, thank you for listening to us here on Abolition Today. I'm Max Parthas. See you next week. Peace. Man, that was powerful, Max. You know, I'll close, you know, give it in in light of what we saw out of uh, the NFAC today down in Georgia. I'll close with what Malcolm would say. He says, if you're not ready to die for it, put the word freedom out of your vocabulary. People are definitely getting fed up with what's going on. And since there's so much pushback to peaceful protest, sadly, I see it heading in another direction. And maybe that's what's necessary. We'll see in due time. But we want to go into our final segment where Avi Davis reads Frederick Douglass Part 16 in our Bridging the Gap series. And this one is entitled, Dishonest Abe, how apropos, followed with Black Soldiers by Grio B, featuring Deontay and Bryce. Inshallah, God willing, we'll be back July 12th with a couple of special guests. Stay tuned. Remember to subscribe to our YouTube page for all news, information, and music you hear on this program. Until next week, think about abolition today. Peace. Abolition. 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 In my efforts to secure just and fair treatment for the colored soldiers, I went to Washington to lay the complaints of my people before President Lincoln and the Secretary of War. 
and to urge upon them such action as should secure to the colored troops then fighting for the country a reasonable degree of fair play. I was never more quickly or more completely put at ease in the presence of a great man than in that of Abraham Lincoln. As I approached and was introduced to him, he rose and extended his hand and bade me welcome. Proceeding to tell him who I was and what I was doing, he promptly but kindly stopped me, saying, I know who you are, Mr. Douglas. Mr. Seward has told me all about you. Sit down. I'm glad to see you. I then told him the object of my visit, and that there were three particulars which I wished to bring to his attention. First, that colored soldiers ought to receive the same wages as those paid to white soldiers. Second, that colored soldiers ought to receive the same protection when taken prisoners and be exchanged as readily and on the same terms as any other prisoners. And if Jefferson Davis should shoot or hang colored soldiers in cold blood, the United States should retaliate in kind and degree without delay upon Confederate prisoners in its hand. Third, when colored soldiers performed great and uncommon service on the battlefield, they should be rewarded by distinction and promotion, precisely as white soldiers are rewarded for like services. Mr. Lincoln listened with patience and silence to all I had to say. He began his earnest reply by saying that the employment of colored troops at all was a great gain to the colored people, that the measure could not have been successfully adopted at the beginning of the war, that the wisdom of making colored men soldiers was still doubted, that their enlistment was a serious offense to popular prejudice, that they had larger motives for being soldiers than white men, that they ought to be willing to enter the service upon any conditions, that the fact that they were not to receive the same pay as white soldiers seemed a necessary concession to smooth the way to their employment at all as soldiers, but that ultimately they would receive the same. On the second point, in respect to equal protection, he said the case was more difficult. Retaliation was a terrible remedy and one which it was very difficult to apply. He thought that the rebels themselves would stop such barbarous warfare and less evil would be done if retaliation were not resorted to. On the third point, he appeared to have less difficulty, though he did not absolutely commit himself. He simply said that he would sign any commission to colored soldiers whom his secretary of war should commend to him. Though I was not entirely satisfied with his views, I was so well satisfied with the man and with the educating tendency of the conflict that I determined to go on with the recruiting. I was not satisfied either with my interview with Secretary of War Stanton, yet I left in the full belief that the true course to the black man's freedom and citizenship was over the battlefield and that my business was to get every black man I could into the Union armies. Both the President and Secretary of War assured me that justice would ultimately be done to my race, and I gave full faith and credit to their promise. Left, 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 right, left. My dad went to war and became a G.I. Joe. He came home, couldn't get the G.I. Bill, though. That was affirmative action, but only for the white folks. Hey. Patiently you wait.
waited for Lincoln's proclamation ending plantations in this nation, but that's not what's stated on his New Year's declaration. Blatantly, he said that only slaves in Confederation are the ones emancipated. What about Cousin Joe, Mary, and Caitlin? Slaves on the Northern Maryland plantation. Can you feel elated when those of your relation are still stuck in damnation just because of their location? You're feeling agitated. It builds to aggravation while the others celebrating some alter aspiration. You're feeling like the Haitian when he started revolution should be cruising, strapped and shooting, clapping massive ovation. Cause your occupation though, killer's not your station. You roll dough and cut potatoes, you're no Jango in the making. You're gonna need some training, proclamation, calls for black participation. 54th Massachusetts infantry, you gonna take I don't know what you've been told. Black soldiers were brave and bold. Fight for democracy overseas, better home, no justice they It's evident, it's arrogant to think freedom made southerners benevolent Cause prejudice is obviously here, it's not the elephant You're hesitant to thank God, but this war is heaven sent Biden in the first war, war could be the precedent That your race is relevant, more than just residents You're opposite of pessimists, you sign up for that regiment Harlem hell fighters, black skin's the only requisite You're loaned out to France and you feel they're so affectionate From whites, you're not separate, you're treated so excellent You start to think that Europe should be your new place of residence Cause looking at your skin doesn't make people so hesitant Fighting, earn a name Black death, killing specialists, but only France awards your valor, they make you a medalist. German propaganda says to switch side in the exodus. Would you fight for country where racism is prevalent? I don't know what you've been told. Black soldiers were brave and bold. Fight for democracy overseas, better home, no justice they receive. It's no wonder Kaepernick couldn't just stand up and be quiet. He must have read about those red summer race riots. Where black soldiers who served their World War I assignment came home to a murderous, racist, violent climate. How the Tuskegee Airmen, the world's finest, never lost Obama when escorting their assignment. Protecting white pilots, lies flying like linemen. They came home to see giant whites only signing. 54th Mad, died in Fawag, 9th and 10th Cab. They were all black and ended up dying for a country that defied them. The liberty that's implied in the flag that William Harvey Carney gave his life flying While some continue griping about a man protesting silent I'm admiring black veterans who fought for his rights And they are the brave, this is their home Even though it calls them slaves in the third verse of the song No refuge could save the hiring and slave From the terror of flight Or the gloom of the grave and the star-spangled banner in triumph of Abolition. Abolition. Today. Abolition. 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 Ab